GTFM. I'm now joined by Laura Kaup and Ricky Hellyar, lecturers at the School of Healthcare Science at Cardiff University. How are you today then, guys? I'm good, thank you, Beth. Fabulous. Yeah, good, thank you, Beth. Today, you've come on to raise awareness of endometriosis in Wales. So for those listening now who don't know what this condition is, could you tell us a bit about it, please? Yeah, so sure. So endometriosis is where cells that are similar to the lining of the womb grow outside of the womb in other parts of the body. Uh, so it's it's most commonly found in the pelvic and abdominal areas, so like the, the tummy and the lower half of the body. Uh, but it can sometimes be found in other places like the lungs. So I understand, Lara, that you yourself have been diagnosed with the condition. Can you tell us a bit about your journey to the diagnosis then? Yeah, so my journey started back in 2016 when I was re- I was re- actually referred to gynaecology by my GP after um, a pain- very painful smear test. And the GP was quite surprised at how uncomfortable I found that. Uh, but I just thought it was normal because everyone says that they're uncomfortable and not very pleasant. Um, And after she'd asked me some other questions, um, I did tell her that I also had pain during intercourse and painful periods. Um, So she referred me to gynaecology. Um, I had to wait uh, for an appointment, so waiting lists. um, And the gynaecologist explained that there could be multiple things that this could be. Um, And we discussed um, options that involved surgery and options that involved other treatments like women's health physio. And I decided at that point I didn't want to go down the surgical route. Um, I'd rather try other things. So I was actually referred to women's health physio, uh, which did help with some of the pain and discomfort that I was experiencing down below. Um, But over time, my symptoms started to increase in other ways. So I started to get bowel problems. So I'd get urgency to go to the toilet. Um, I'd also get uh, pain in my stomach. I was noticing that my my period pain was still very much there. Um, And unfortunately, I was I'd also started to experience miscarriages as well. So uh, me and my husband have been trying for a number of years Um, and Back in 2019, um, I developed a lump in my groin that was very painful and it didn't go away. Uh, So I was referred for an ultrasound and they decided that they would do a needle biopsy and take a sample of the lump. And that came back as endometriosis, um, which is quite quite unusual for to be diagnosed in that way. the gold standard for diagnosis of this condition is actually to have an operation, to have a little camera inserted. Um, it's called a laparoscopy. Um, so to be diagnosed in this way is quite unusual. So it's interesting all the symptoms you were listing off there because I myself have, have had pains and symptoms for a number of years now, which I can't explain. I've been back and forth to the doctors. Nothing really has been resolved and the symptoms return. Don't know if it is endometriosis, but what sort of advice would you give to people, you know, sort of in my shoes, if anyone's listening now and they feel exactly the same, what sort of thing could we do next? Uh, well, I think it- it's important to, um, you know, maybe try and keep a symptom diary. Um, so not just of your of your periods, but also other things. So if you're noticing, like myself, I started to get symptoms with my bowels. Other women might experience symptoms uh, with um, passing urine and, and their bladder. Um, also things like fatigue um, can, can also be a symptom as well. Um, so keeping a symptom diary and going to going to your GP. But I think the, the main thing is that 
very, very heavy, painful periods are not necessarily normal. And it's something that me and Ricky have talked about a lot is that it's norm, it's almost normalized that women will experience pain and discomfort because of their period. And that's not necessarily yeah, normal. And it's sometimes something that should be looked into. So as you said earlier, surgery, you know, is a, is a way to diagnose the condition. With COVID at the moment, what sort of delays uh, have people been looking at with the waiting list? Uh, so I experienced uh, delays. So when I got my, I got the diagnosis in the end of 2019, I then went to my gynaecologist for review and was listed then for the laparoscopy, the procedure where they were formally um look around and see how extensive my endometriosis was and then make a plan. Um, So at that point, I was told that I should expect to breach the 36-week waiting list. That was pre-COVID. So I was already aware that the waiting list was going to be rather long. Um, And then COVID happened. So I had no idea when I might have that procedure. Um, So I decided to contact my private medical insurance, which personally I've always had for years. Um, and luckily they they covered it and I was able to have my surgery in October. And then I had a follow-up operation in the February 2021 to remove what turned out to be severe endometriosis. Um, but I just, you know, I want to say that private private um, medical care is not an option for everybody and people shouldn't have to resort to that to no, get timely and appropriate care. Um, so I believe you have a podcast series as well. Ricky, we haven't forgotten about you there. Uh, could you tell us a bit about the background of this podcast series then? Yeah, absolutely, Beth. So um, obviously with COVID, there's been massive changes to university education and we can't be bringing in students all the time. So we had a bit of an idea of, well, how can we sort of get information out to students? So we came up with this idea of developing podcasts because there is a growing, well, it's, it's been there for a while, but it's a growing understanding that the people are experts in their own bodies, in their own conditions. So we really want to get those stories out there. Like like you said, Beth, you know, sometimes the symptoms in there that you felt and you thought, is this right? You know, as clinicians, we can't always see that. And we recognize that the patient's stories are so valuable to us. So essentially what happened is we developed a series of podcasts and Lara's really kindly done a couple for us because Lara had cancer when she was a child um, and she's done one about endometriosis for us. We've also looked at topics such as anorexia, um, lung conditions like COPD. And essentially it's, it's a, we, we try to do a way that we don't get students chained to their computer all day, that they can go out for a walk, that they can sort of move away from their desks you know, in these times. Um, but the other thing we decided is to, to get out there because people's stories are so valuable um, not just to us as as academics and not just as students, but sometimes when you're sitting out there and you're listening to a podcast, um, like you just said then, um, Beth, is thinking, well, hang on, that that might be me. You know, I can see similar similarities in that. And I think patient stories and people's stories are so valuable and so rich that we really wanted to get them out there. But um, it's just interesting for us that the uptake is they've been out for around about 12 weeks and just surprisingly, they've been picked up all over the place. We looked this morning, they've had you know, about 1,200 views across 15 countries across the world, people are picking oh, wow. it up. Obvi- yeah, obviously conditions like endometriosis, we know a minimum of one in 10 um, women um, experience this. And obviously 50% of the planet essentially are women. 
So it's obviously that, obviously that interest out there. So, yeah, we want to serve two purposes, really. One, to obviously educate our students, but equally to share these stories with the public because they are so important. And I, I think they can give people a bit of comfort, a bit of advice, um, and, and, you know, a little bit of know-how about uh, surrounding different conditions, you know? You said you're covering many conditions, not just just endometriosis, um, which can help people. They can listen to it and think, oh, that might be me. Uh, but what needs to change going forward in terms of um, like going to your doctors, GPs, that sort of thing? Well, I, I think with things, it's, it's like, uh, like we said, it's just recognising that you are the expert in your body. If you think something isn't right, you've got to push for it. You know, like Lara said, I'll be honest with you, even as like, 20 years in clinical practice i didn't know a lot about endometriosis until we did this but is this growing sort of understanding that that, that quite women uh, quite often women just uh, allowed to sit there uh, expected to you know think well hang on these periods are painful periods are meant to be painful when actually they're not and i think hopefully really is to sort of really push for things really just say look i'm not right this isn't okay i'm the expert in my health and I'm telling you, I don't feel right. And essentially as well, Beth, is having those conversations. We know there's taboo about talking about things, around about things like periods, around about sex, around about even down to things in healthcare. People don't want to talk about their bowels and stuff like that. It's so important um, to go and have those conversations. We should try and remove those taboos so that people can come forward and, and start getting help really, you know? As you said, very important to talk about this sort of thing no matter how taboo it is um so you're saying um people you know in, in my short shoes and myself should go to the doctors and sort of say you know can i go on a waiting list to get some sort of scan done essentially well like the, the diagnosis um from sort of initial symptoms to diagnosis in wales is is not great to say the least to be honest and as, as lara can probably elaborate um, it's a really prolonged time for women to initially go there and say things aren't right to eventually get in help. But um, hopefully like people like Lara coming forward, hopefully like help empower women, empower women to come forward and, and just push for things and say, I don't feel right. I don't think this is normal. And obviously Lara can tell you a little bit more about um, how long it takes people to get diagnosed. Yeah, so there was um, uh, APPG, so an all-party parliamentary group inquiry into endometriosis. The report was published at the end of last year, I believe, I think. And um, it takes on average in Wales for a woman to be diagnosed with endometriosis. It takes nine years, which is an incredible length of time. And for me, I was 31 when I was diagnosed and my period started when I was 14. Um, So there are lots of women that are waiting even longer than that to be diagnosed. So like Ricky said, it is about, you know, women coming coming forward and talking about the things that are difficult for them but it's also about them being listened to as well so by healthcare professionals understanding endometriosis and women's health issues and I've been lucky my GPs have been very very good Um, but there are also other problems like we've talked about the waiting lists even pre-COVID were ridiculous and unacceptable um, and they're going, they are even worse now. And the endometriosis service in Wales really, really needs support and funding at, at the highest levels, really, in order to meet the demand that, that it is experiencing. And so that women like me 
don't have to wait so long to be diagnosed, to then be treated, because effectively our lives are on hold while we're waiting for this. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. For me, my priority was fertility, and I really needed that diagnostic, that diagnosis procedure of that operation to see how extensive my endometriosis was, to then come up with a plan about okay, so do we go for another operation to try and remove it? Do we wait? So, you know, it really does feel like your life is on hold while you're waiting for an appointment to see a specialist or an appointment for surgery. And all the while women are, are left with very, what can be very, very debilitating conditions mm, that affect yeah. all parts of our life. As you say, nine years, that's a ridiculous amount of time to diagnose something like that. Um, as well as the podcast, um, is there like a sort of website or anything people can go to to get any advice on this? If someone feels that they might have endometriosis, then they can go to Endometriosis UK website. Um, also for women in Wales, there is a fantastic organisation called Fair Treatment for the Women of Wales. Um, and they've got a, they've got a website and public um, Facebook page, but they also have a members group if people would like to become a member. And that's just a brilliant resource, not just for endometriosis, but all aspects of women's health in Wales. Um, and then also Fertility Network UK. Um, I would say those are the, the three main places that I've personally gone to for support. So thank you so much for joining us today, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. Thank you, Beth. Thank you very much.